Hi guys, it's me Paula and I have a message for you today that I was really burning on my heart and I really want to pray for you and believe God for this message like regarding revelations, spiritual gifts and prophecy, even dreams, night dreams and visions. Because you know, not all of our dreams that we have are from God. You know, just because we dream, dreams are you know, our subconscious, things that we work through often that are in our lives, things that sometimes happen to us throughout the day or the week, and we might dream about them. Usually when you have a dream from God, a a dream from the Lord, which is, you know, biblical, because the Bible does say in, in, uh, in Acts that, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. Your young man will see visions in those days. You know, on my men servants, my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit. So he's quoting there from Acts chapter 2. And then Acts chapter 3 goes into that. But he does quote the prophet Joel. Uh, and that that is a, sort of the sign of the beginning of the last days on the day of Pentecost. So we know that dreams and visions and spiritual messages do come from the Lord. I would say primarily, though, the Lord wants to develop your spirit through the Holy Spirit, through primarily the study and the Word of God, because the Word of God will always give you a clear direction and message. If you have the knowledge of the Word, remember the Holy Spirit's job is to come alongside of us, a paraclete, to take hold together with us. And he, he begins to reveal. He begins to take those things of Jesus, the Word of God, and reveal it to us. He takes the Word of God and I have to say enfolds it for us. So the more Word of God you have in your heart and the study of the Word of God and the following after the Lord Jesus and His Word, you know, being a true follower, disciple of His, that's how you're going to know down in your spirit, your knower, your hidden person of the heart. You got to remember you're a tripart being. You're not just a flesh, you know, body. You have a spirit. And your spiritual being is where the Holy Spirit will speak to you and minister to you. And it may not be audibly, but it's an impression or a nudge or a knowing. But he can't do that if you don't have any word of God in you, if you're just blank in there. You know, you're going to be led off then by your flesh. You will be led off and tempted in the flesh because you live in the flesh. You have a fleshly house or body, right? You live in this earth. This is your earth suit, but this is only temporary. This is only your temporary home. You have a higher calling. God has great plans for us, and this is not it. So to become spiritually minded, Paul said this in the book of Corinthians. He said, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual men or women. He said, because you're, you, you are carnal. You are yet carnal. You are still body ruled. You see? So we need to become spiritually minded. The only way you can become spiritually minded is you're following the Lord Jesus Christ and the study of his word, putting the word of God into your heart, into your mind, renewing your mind, getting a fresh new mental attitude, a new spiritual mental uh, awakening. Your spirit is saved, but your soul is your mind or your your mind, your imagination, your mind is your is your imagination, your soul, your mind, your intellect, your will. That's all that's all to do with the soulish realm. 
So that, that area needs to be saved, if you will. I just use that term. That, 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 can't be, that can't be overlooked. That's the renewal of the mind. So important. So some of your dreams and things come from that realm, the soul. And it's not always a reliable source. So you have to be careful with that. And I'm just saying that to bless you. You might be in an area where you, I'm not really familiar with gifts of the Holy Spirit, or I don't really do that, or that's not really important. Well, as we travel into these last days and the end times, the beginning of pains and sorrows, before the Lord returns, and we don't know that day or the hour, the Bible says, only the Father knows, but we do know the season. We do know the seasons and signs that Jesus told us. If you study Matthew 24, 25, and 26, you look in there, Jesus is giving us clues and telling us directly what's going to happen as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They'll be eating and drinking and marrying, partying. I'm just, this is my paraphrase, but, you know, giving a marriage and suddenly the end will come. And they'll be caught off guard and unaware. They weren't ready. So I want to kind of shore you up and get you ready. So, Father, let's just pray. I pray for everyone listening to this message today, Lord, that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that you would minister, Holy Spirit, to everyone's heart and mind right now, that they would be open-hearted, open-minded to receive your word right now, Father, that they would not run from your word, they would concentrate, put their attention and their affection on you, Lord, right now, receive the word of God, which is engrafted into your soul, it's able to save your soul, it's able to save your soul through the engrafted word of God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are the spiritual gifts? The spiritual gifts are in 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in the book of Romans chapter 12, ironically, both are 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Uh, it's Romans 12, 6 and Corinthians 12, 10. So the spiritual gifts are very important because they are a special unction or I would call an endowment or a charisma power gifts that are given to us to serve the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is the author, Holy Spirit of the spiritual gifts talking to the church now we're not talking to non-believers all right if you're a believer and you're a child of god this is for you right now okay so stay in there with me get your coffee your tea your pencil your paper your, your ipad whatever your notebook and take some notes so what the devil wants to do is he wants to attack us in the realm of the spirit so if he can get Christians off of the Word of God, he can impersonate the Holy Spirit. He can disguise himself, which, you know, that's what he does, and send demons, and they can actually attack you. And then what happens is you don't know if this dream or vision or revelation is from the Lord, all right? So the Holy Spirit knows, and he has the gifts, and that's all we want. Now you say, what gift is important? Well, every gift that we need at the time, and God knows, it says, as the Spirit wills, ask him. You know, and the gifts of the Spirit are not for you. They're service gifts, okay? So if you say, oh, I had a dream, I had a revelation. So you can have a word of knowledge or a prophecy <clears throat> given even in a dream or a revelation. 
a night dream at night. Uh, it could actually be possible. It can be given in any way, shape, or form. But, but the problem is most people aren't even understanding. They haven't studied 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible says, I don't want you ignorant of spiritual gifts, so study it. Go in there and study it. Study Romans chapter 12. Find out what the gifts are and ask the Lord about them. I, I, I just encourage you to do that. So here's the thing. These gifts are not to be used to manipulate. They're not, they're not used. They're not for you. It is a heart towards God. And the thing that's so awesome is that these gifts are to help us. They are to help us. And they are to motivate us to serve everyone else in the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters, to bless them. They're not used to manipulate. They're not used in any way, shape, or form as a, as a way to get your way. Now, you could say, how in the world? Well, I listen, can I just tell you my age? I'm over 55, okay? And I want to tell you, I got saved when I was 18 or 19 years old. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2 um, when I was 20. So I've been in this for a long time. I've been in this close to 40 years. I know what I'm talking about here. I've seen how these things operate and how they operate correctly, praise God, but how, they, how they've operated through me correctly, let's say. What I've learned, I want to impart this to you because I want you to be blessed. So I've seen some people actually be right on target with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then I've seen them be so far off from the gift of the Holy Spirit. How can these things be, you say? Well, because we live in a fallen world and the enemy wants to accuse and attack and he also is in an unseen realm where there are spirits, demonic spirits, that are um, unseen. There are bodies, actual physical, or not physical bodies, but non-physical bodies, excuse me, that are real entities. And the Holy Spirit will never throw you under the bus. He will never reveal anything to anyone that betrays your weaknesses. That's not a true prophecy or a true revelation. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he does not tell you something, you know, like to exhort you and then drop a bomb against you. Like, for instance, you could be walking along, the Lord speaking to your heart and saying, I love you, you're my child. And He'll say things to me like that, like he'll say, you know, um, I'm proud of you. Sometimes the Father will tell me that, and I'll be so blessed. He wants to encourage me or motivate me. You can overcome this sickness, or that's how he speaks to me. The Holy Spirit is very encouraging. Now, does he bring correction? Yeah, he does. But he doesn't bring personal prophecy through someone to destroy you. He doesn't drop a bomb on you and blow you up. That's the enemy. Now, I want you to hear his title, Accuser of the Brethren. That word brethren, or, or sisters, or brothers in Christ, are the saints of God. Those who are sanctified, set apart, and, and bought by the blood of Jesus. The devil is the accuser. Don't be on the devil's team. Don't get into listening to him. If you start hearing things in your head and he tries to bring accusations or condemning, that's never the Holy Spirit. You're going to cast those things off in the name of Jesus. Beware, because the enemy likes to manipulate. He likes you to rebel. He doesn't want you to be submitted to God. 
you know, he wants you to have a worldly, fleshly, carnal heart so you can hit or miss. So these gifts of the Spirit are graciously given to us by God, but they're the revelation gifts. But I will break them down for you quickly. They're sort of like the gifts that, that say something. That would be prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. They have like a speaking. Then there are gifts that are power gifts, like gifts of healings or miracles, wonder-working signs. Then there are gifts that um, that actually um, are what I call revelation gifts. The revelation gifts tell you something that you do not know. And they're in these three categories. There's the um, revelation of a word of wisdom. It's not natural wisdom. We're not talking about your natural wisdom. You studied and you went to university or you went to seminary. No, we're not talking about that kind of wisdom. We're talking about a revelation of something about the past or present present that you do not know. It's a very cool gift. Holy Spirit is in the past, present, and future. He knows. And the word of knowledge is is usually pointing to something right now that's happened presently. It's happening now. And prophecy is can be put part of that. But the next gift is prophecy is speaking God's what God's given you for someone. But it's also prophecy edifies and it exhorts and it and it um, comforts. So three things with prophecy: edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those three have to be an element in prophecy. So somebody says they're going to give you a word from God. Be cautious, because if it does not edify, it does not exhort you, it doesn't move you. Exhorting can be admonishing you or encouraging you or comforting you, but it doesn't bring that. It doesn't. It falls flat. It is not from the Holy Spirit. It's from a spirit, all right, but it's not the Holy Spirit. But a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, I'm, just, I'm not using my notes right now, so I'm thinking through this, and discerning of spirits. Now, it's not discernment to know something, this is discernment of spirits to to be able to distinguish between when an evil spirit is operating or when um, uh, the ministry of angels or the Holy Spirit is in operation, for example. So, it, it, you know, when, when you know it is the Spirit of God or it is the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit speaking to you, but there's also when a false spirit is in operation. I use that word in operation. You can either see into the realm of spirit or you can hear into the realm of spirit or you will, God will give you an open knowing that that is a false spirit. Now that operate, the gift operates through me. So I know that gift. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very precious. Again, they are gifts given. Jesus ascended on high. It says that he gave gifts unto men or women. And these gifts are supernatural. They are not natural gifts. They're not just you're a beautiful person, you have a natural gift. You just are laughing all the time or you're so gregarious or you're just a smart guy. You're like a genius and you're, I don't know, a scientist or something. Or you're a wonderful woman, you're an amazing mother, or you're an amazing grandmother, or you're just a beautiful person inside. All those are wonderful gifts, but those are natural. Those are learned things and they're natural gifts. These aren't the gifts we're talking about. We're talking about supernatural. Say supernatural. Okay. So if you want to know something that's a mystery, something that you don't know, the Holy Spirit is the gift. Jesus is the gift. But he gives these amazing gifts. Don't you want to be a part of that? 
Don't you want a heart that's after Jesus, not after gifts? Don't you want God to use you? That's what you want to ask for. The Bible says that especially that you might prophesy, you might edify, you might exhort, you might comfort, all right? Now, the flip side of this is this terrible 1 Corinthians 4, 3, oh, excuse me, is this um, twisted up snake um, who... The word awry, something that goes awry, it goes wrong. It falls flat. And that word actually means twisted. I mean, and it's the, the idea there is of a snake. The symbol of the snake, not the animal, but the symbol of a snake or Leviathan or the sea serpent is of the devil. Okay, the symbol. I'm saying the symbol. In the garden, he came as a... We don't know if it was a little snake or it was a sea monster, but Leviathan, that's the term they use. And it's, uh, uh, he, he embodied that animal and he tempted our first spiritual mom and dad and they fell from God's glory. So it's, it's important that you understand that. The Bible says that we are to flee from youthful lust. The image of fleeing from something is I'm telling you, it means run, run away. Someone that is led off by their flesh in saying they have a spiritual dream or a revelation or they have a gift. This is very important because the lust of the flesh is there. Again, I told you, your spirit, soul, and body. You got to get you, bring your body into subjection to the word of God. Really, we all have to do that. That's always a challenge, but you can do it. The Bible says to flee youthful lust. So the idea of this twistedness is the only way the enemy can get in is through your mind or your flesh, right? Demons have power, though, only to get in through deception. The image of a demon or something twisted like a snake, there's someone who's opened up and they're not guarded, all right? So the image of the snake is a serpent who disguises himself and he is there to mislead you. So never be so confident as to think, well, I know, I know this is of God. Well, I, I question that because I would say to you, if you have a dream or a vision or a revelation, how long have you prayed about that? Have you waited on the Lord? Have you waited on the Lord? Have you asked the Lord? Because you don't want to give anything out to anyone until you know for sure it is the Lord. I'm not, you have to be seasoned and tested. Again, I'm just sharing with you some things I know. Doesn't mean you're going to hit it right every time. Doesn't mean God's expecting you to be perfect. Because then you'd be afraid to even reach out and do anything. That's not where I'm coming from here. But just remember something. The Bible is giving us examples in the New Testament of New Testament prophetic Agabus in Acts 11 and the prophet in Antioch spoke to Paul and Barnabas about their mission in Acts chapter 21. And and th that time, he gave them a confirmation. So it's like a good word, fitly spoken. It edifies and imparted grace and mercy to the hearers. That's actually quoting from Ephesians 4.29. And it's sometimes, though, when you're dealing with a church assembly where the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, in a whole assembly, Paul gives instruction. Apostle Paul, the great St. Paul, gave us instructions about that. And he said that if you're in an assembly and someone comes into your fellowship 
and they're, they're let's say they're um, not a believer. They're a non-believer, okay? They're not a believer yet, or they could be backslidden on God too. But let's say a non-believer, so you're talking there, comes into your service, and there is a prophecy. A prophecy is spoken in your known tongue. It's not tongues. It's not a language of heaven with an interpretation. It is known. In other words, people understand what you're saying. And, and Paul makes a comment about that. If someone comes in your fellowship, they're not a believer, and there's a word that is spoken, a prophecy. You're speaking something God's inspired you to say by the Holy Spirit again. He's saying that could move them to reveal a secret, and would they not be convicted, he said. So the Holy Spirit does bring conviction. He does. So that when the true gift of the Holy Spirit is in operation and you're operating with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're in agreement with him, he can use you because you can understand when somebody is operating or pretending, you know, um, you, can, you can understand when someone is, pretends to be someone other than what they are. There's a mask there. So you're going to be walking out to the world. You're going to be meeting people. People are going to be meeting you. How will you know? How will you know? You're walking into the world. You mean you're going to walk unguarded? You're going to walk out into this world? You better understand, okay? God called us to fall on our face and cry out to him and be convicted. Lord, we want to know. We want to know the truth here. The gifts of the Spirit always builds up a believer. It always convicts him and always purifies the church. We can't afford to despise the gift of prophecy, for example. We can't afford to say, oh, I don't need that. We don't practice that here. Okay, good for you. I guess you're going to miss out on a lot of spiritual fire then. The church is going to stay on fire. The church is not right now. Okay? I'm trying to get us over to not misuse, abuse, are being misguided in the gifts. I'm trying to give you at least a little tiny tidbit of my knowledge, which I've been, I've received from wonderful Bible teachers and practiced over the years, and I'm still learning every day. So words uh, given by the Holy Spirit always get, brings comfort, assurance, because the Holy Spirit is like the paraclete in the Greek. It says, he pleads our case. He exhorts us. He even admonishes us. And he will correct us. That word admonishment is correcting you. He will correct you in love. So again, those gifts, exhort, edify, and comfort. That's the true gift of prophecy. And um, also, the Holy Spirit never betrays you. He never betrays his children. Okay? Now, what I want to share with you right now is there is some misunderstanding in the church about the New Testament prophet versus the office of the prophet. Okay, so the New Testament prophecy is, again, edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what it will do out of you. God will use you, the Holy Spirit will use you to give a word, to exhort, edify, and comfort. That's by the unction of the Holy Spirit, okay? And you'll be used by God. If you want to be used, you can ask for the gift of prophecy. But the actual office of a prophet is a little different because that is a prophetic gift is a full-time gift ministry, okay? And it, it's, it's one of the gifts of, of ministry. The, in the Bible talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who equip you, the saints, 
to build you up for the work of the ministry. So that's really what the office of the prophet does. So in that office, the prophet has the gifts of the spirit flowing all the time. So example here would be, if I'm speaking to somebody, I don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. You, you can be preaching prophetically if you're a prophet. You can be teaching. Many times it's teaching. It's, it's teaching gift. And so the prophet, it falls into a different category where those gifts I mentioned, the word of knowledge, you can look them up, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits, especially those three gifts operate fluently through the office of a New Testament prophet. All right, together they operate those three together, and it's fluently. Now you can know if God is speaking to you because you can judge or test the spirit. Because again, God never points out something publicly. He'll never criticize you publicly. He'll never accuse you. He always covers you. Um, the revelation gifts are not there for that. It's not something God's going to do to you. You're not going to be attacked or something. If if that happens, it is not the Holy Spirit. All right, he doesn't drop a bomb on you or anything like that. He's always faithful. He's always kind. He's always gentle. And he does correct. He does correct. But he doesn't use that to hurt you. See, the enemy knows your weaknesses. You don't think he does? I want you to wake up right now. Enemy knows your weaknesses. And, and your weaknesses are private. That's between you and Jesus. And you need to work that out. But he won't send someone else to tell you. And then, nah, nah, I'm going to nah, nah, nah. I have, I have this revelation about you and you're like this. He never does that. That is That never will bear witness with your spirit. He always exhorts you to obedience to service. He always encourages you. He always builds you up. The idea there is in process. Like you're in the process. We're in the process of, being constru- of construction. You know, when you build a house, my husband and I have built a few houses in our time. And the first house we ever built, it was our first little house we built. And um, it was tiny, but it was a great little house in St. Louis. And actually, it was out in the county. We lived out in St. Peter's County, St. Charles County, Missouri. And in that little house, it had a little foundation, and it began. they began to build it. After the foundation was built, they began to add on everything. And it was a process before it was finished. And that's the way it is in building up the body of Christ. It's a building where you're being edified and built up. And that's the idea there. Um, because the Holy Spirit, I've never found the Holy Spirit not to be a gentleman, you know? He, he, always, he always builds us, he always gives us the word, and it always bears witness with the word of God. So how do you test the spirits? I'm going to get into that. You test the spirit by the word of God, and you have a right to reject something. Like if somebody gives you something, and it, they, they call it a prophecy. I'm, again, I'm dealing with spiritual gifts. You may not be in a church that operates in this, and you may not have much experience with this, but I do. If you're in a place where somebody comes up and they prophesy over you, be very careful if it's personal prophecy. Just someone fly by night comes by and tells you, oh, the Lord told me this, or I had this about you. Be very careful with that, okay? Because I will tell you more than not, I mean, more. it doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He's the paraclete. He comes alongside. He does give messages to people to give to us, to confirm things to us. Um, he does make appeals. He does plead with us, okay? The story of the Holy Spirit um, is in John 14, 
16, John 26, John 15, 26, John 16, 7. So in all those John 14, 15, and 16, that's where Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit. He is a complement. He, he comes alongside of us so we can grow up. He, he, he stays beside us. He doesn't abandon us. He, you know, so as we're obedient to the Lord, he will use us for his purposes. So he enables us to mature us, to grow us up so we can move forward, so we can accomplish the will of God in our lives. So let's do this. How do the gifts operate? By one way, L-O-V-E. When you operate or you say you have a revelation from the Lord, if it is not through love, if your motive, your heart motive is not to serve God, you haven't prayed about it, you just want to jump in there, open your mouth and blast something off, believe me, the Holy Spirit, he never rushes and he's never in a hurry. The Bible says the Spirit is subject in the prophet to the prophets. In other words, you yield to someone, especially the elder in the church, someone older than you in the Lord. You don't have to even prophesy. Some people think in their heads every time they get a unction, they have to give that word. No, you don't. You can hold it. The Holy Spirit is not, you're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. Believe me, he's not subject to you and your little operation of the Spirit. He can get that word over to that person or people's. It says, make love your greatest aim. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy so that the church may be edified. Remember that. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 5. Make love your greatest aim. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That's, that's encouraging. Desire them. Say, Lord, I'd like to be using those gifts. Pray, pray about that. Especially that you might prophesy. Again, edify, encourage and build up. Remember those comfort and build up. That's what prophecy is. If you're not edifying, encouraging, building up, and you think you have a word from God, it is not from the Holy Spirit. Okay. The prophet stands by and judge because I don't want people to misuse and abuse and get out of line. I want to encourage you to see the fulfillment of Pentecost. Remember Acts chapter two, you know, he said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. That's a quote from Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29. That's the exact quote. The next part of this message, again, is to, to give you a little more example of snakes or serpents or vipers. The Bible says, you shall, Jesus speaking to his church, you shall tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So meditate on that. Meditate on that. The serpent and scorpion is a symbol of the enemy. Do you not know you have an enemy? And he wants to do this. He is twisted. I was, was researching this and I was really shocked when I looked up this word. Uh, when it when it used the word twisted, that's what kept coming to mind. He twists things. He causes trouble, you know. And what he does in the spiritual things of God, if he can get in to you and use you, you can be like his little pawn, his little puppet to give false prophecy, false visions, false dreams. Believe me, if you're getting a lot of dreams, you need to record those dreams. You know, write them down. And then you need to go to God with them and say, what does this mean? And then begin to ask the Lord to give you a scripture. The word and the spirit have to agree to back up what you're saying or what he's saying. He will give you scripture. Foundation must be in the word of God. 
So don't just have a dream and say, that's a God dream. Well, what does, what does he want you to do with that? Is he speaking to you? Is he warning you? Is he telling you to beware? Is he, is he trying to get something over to you? Don't just let it go in one ear and not the other. Go after God and find out what that means. Seek out a matter. Seek out and ask him for confirmation in the word of God, the Bible. Do that right away, okay? I feel like to say that to somebody right away. Do that now, okay, after you hear this message. So what is real and what is true? The devil perverts. He deviates from the truth. He corrupts. He corrupts. He is not healthy. (laughs) He is distorted. He is sadistic. He is evil. He is wicked. He misleads and he twists everything out of shape. He distorts, he contorts, and he just, he just pulls you down. That's the image of a distorted false impression. He misleads people. So let's go over that again. The devil is twisted. What, it's not natural what he does, because he's not natural. You know what I'm saying? He is a perverted deviant He's corrupt. He's sick. He's not healthy. He's evil and wicked and sadistic, and he distorts the truth. He misleads, so he's twisted. When I say somebody is twisted, man, they are, they are perverted. They're out of shape, okay? They're not, they're contorted, all right? Like they contort, that they can attack. They mislead you. So through, So what's the example there through dreams and visions and revelations? Well, personal dreams and visions that God gives you, he wants you to make sense out of it. He wants you to know what they mean. He wants you to pray about them. He wants you to ask for verses. You write, like I said, write down the dream and then ask the Lord, what does this mean? You know, and sometimes your, remember your dreams are not always dreams from God. Again, your subconscious, it, it, it goes through like the whole day, what happens. So here's what God gave me. I wrote this down. He says, if you have been offended... And if you have not forgiven, little offenses are people who transgress their transgressions. Quickly forgive because you open yourself up, you are a spiritual being, into the spirit realm, and you attract demons then. They have a right to attack you, which means they can deceive you, they can lead you astray, they can tempt you. Even in your dreams, they can mislead you into the wrong direction. And because you think you had a dream from God, believe me, the Holy Spirit lives in that realm. Do you not think God's Spirit knows what's going on? Ask Him. Because these demons are active unless you close that door. Just If I open up a door and a whole bunch of snakes are out there and they just start coming in, like we've had to deal with some snakes here. We never had to deal with them. when We've lived here 13 years. I've never dealt with snakes before in my lifetime. And I asked the Lord about this. I said, what is this? He goes, it's an attack. And he said, I said, Lord, post an angel outside, okay, and, and keep guard and watch. And he also said, keep guard and watch over your heart and over your mouth, too. So don't give your heart or your mind over, your mouth, your words over to anything that can attract. So, um, you know, so... He cannot come to kill, steal, and destroy you. He can't do that. So what you want to do is make sure and beware that you're walking in forgiveness. Take time now to search the Word and get confirmation. Record everything. Write it down. But remember, 
Um, manipulation, if I say someone's trying to manipulate your dreams, that is witchcraft. And that is an open door of rebellion, rebel. And ultimately, the root of that sin is pride. And it's, it's running after worldly, carnal things, setting your affections, your things on this world. You're not spending enough time with God or in the Word. You might take a little time in the morning or pick and cherry pick out some things, you know, you want to hear, tickle you or whatever, you know, here and there when you have time. But you're not really a student of God's Word. You need to get in the Word, dig around in there, get excited about the things of God, and tell God, I want to be part of this end time prophetic word. I want to be the one that brings the exhortation, the comfort, and the encouragement. Use me, Lord. Here am I. And just ask the Lord. Be simple about it, you know. But remember, witchcraft is a, is rebellion. The root of that is pride. And, and actually, beware that the enemy doesn't want to use you, okay? So close every door to unforgiveness. That was the word he gave me. And as I said, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't He's not rude. He's <laughs> not rude. Personal prophecy that doesn't bear witness with your spirit, take it to the Lord in prayer. You cannot receive something false. You must not. But you also must ask the Lord. Because I got to tell you one thing I found out over these years is that the Lord, or several things I'll tell you about. There's one thing is that the enemy knows your weaknesses. Do you know your weaknesses though? Do you know he can see where you're lacking in and what you're doing wrong? But see, he, the Lord doesn't come and give the devil an opportunity to, to tell on you. No, that's the flesh, and that's how he operates through well-meaning people. He can give them something in their dreams or in their thought life, okay? There's something to do with forgiveness in this and releasing people. Like When I say release, just think of releasing something that's caged, if you had a little bird and it was in a cage and you just opened the cage, it would just fly out. That's what you do with people. You just release them from the burden of whatever they're hurting in or caged in. You go, Lord, I forgive them. The Bible actually gives us the, the actual power to forgive sins. Whose sins you shall forgive. They are forgiven. Do you know Jesus said that to his church? Whose sins you are have forgiven, they are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. That's a horrific thought right there. Whose sins you have not released, you need to release your brothers and sisters right now in the name of Jesus. Release someone who's offended you and stop allowing yourself to be used as a pawn or a puppet to attack others unknowingly. You see that? Second Peter 1 talks about false prophets. And remember, the accuser who comes to hurt you in the end the religious spirits I spoke about on the uh, last call um, come, and they come to attack. Remember, religious demonic spirits thought they, the, the, the Pharisees and, and um, the scribes, uh, the lawyers, the, the legal people of that day, I, I can give you the whole breakdown of the Jewish system then. Sometime I'll talk about that. But they were called uh, to... Um, you know, show the word to the people. And Jesus gave them a, a really bad report and said that they were sons of vipers and that they were, they were, um, 
you know, poisonous that what they, how they, they behind the scenes were hypocrites. They told others what to do, like revealed the word to them, but they didn't do it. He said, yeah, they're telling you the word. They're revealing, you know, whatever the Torah to you, but they are not doing it. Don't, don't do what they do. Don't live their lifestyle. He's saying, he doesn't say the word of God was wrong. He was saying what they do because they were hypocrites. So these are the people who thought they were doing God's service. Think through that are his works by crucifying Jesus. That's what they did. They crucified our Lord and Savior. These religious bigots, these religious hypocrites, they got together in council, these groups, and they plotted against Jesus to take him out, to kill him, all right? So my point is that the religious spirit in him was so outraged and so angry with him that they were thinking, it says, they were doing God's service. You're not doing God any service or help if you give a false prophecy or false vision or dream. You're not helping God. That is a wrong spirit. Jesus, excuse me, John warned us. John, the apostle of Jesus, he warned us to test. Please, somebody, go read that. First John 4, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Why would he say that? Who is he talking about? There are unseen realm here where there are demonic spirits. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Whether they are from God. You're supposed to test the spirits. How do you do that? You know, people are Bible illiterate today, and they do not look at the Word of God. They do not understand the spiritual recklessness they're in right now, where they just don't spend time in it. They're kind of asleep. Well, the devil will come to intimidate and threaten and try to stop you. That's his mission. He's looking for somebody weak so he can use them. He can carry out his witchy ways. So don't be partakers of that. I know you're not, but I'm just warning you. Break down right now what God is speaking to you. Some of us say we can prophesy. Some of us say we have healings and miracles. That's all good. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. That's what we want. We want to help people discerning of spirits. But what does the Spirit of God say? You have to confirm everything through the Word of God. Jesus, what did it say? Did Jesus come in the flesh? Well, Jesus had to be born of a woman during John's time. There were so many false cults and things going around. They were not saying that Jesus had to come as a man. You see, He is God in the flesh. He was God. He was God. had always been with God. It was Himself God. But He had to come to defeat sin. So He did come in the flesh, all right? In 1 John 4, 1 through 6, Christ has come in the flesh, and is of God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. That is the spirit of antichrist. And the word anti means opposer or someone who's in opposition or striving, like there's a power struggle there. That's the spirit of antichrist, all right? Do you not think the enemy is going to attack people who are on the front lines who are ministering with his antichrist rhetoric? John said the test. In other words, you can know someone is led by the Holy Spirit or by another spirit. Are they misled by the world or their own flesh? Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the fleshes of God. But just saying Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, mere words, calling it, is not evidence that they belong to God. That's not what he's saying. They're not some frivolous thing. Not just mere words. 
you know, confession is just mouthing words. You know, someone say, say Jesus has come in the flesh. Okay, just repeat after me. It has to be sincere. It comes from the deep part of your heart or your spirit where the true motive of the heart is there. It's more than words. There is a heartfelt felt confession into the will of God there. I'm sorry. If somebody says, I'm sorry, but they don't really mean it. It's not like they're sorry, they're sorrowful that they hurt you. That's called a right heart attitude. It's not about proving something like I have to prove myself and get back. God never gives a revelation to anyone who doesn't have a right heart motive. Believe me, he doesn't. I'm sorry, I can say never that clearly. The Spirit of God does not give revelation to people whose hearts are not right. It's not a confession like uh, I, when I was younger, we had this like, remember they had these Apostles' Creed. And there's nothing wrong with the Apostles' Creed in, in and of, of itself, but it was like just saying certain prayers over and over, repetition. Uh, and I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is the only Son, our Lord. Well, I had said that a thousand times, but I wasn't saved. I wasn't a born-again child of God. See, I was just mouthing what I was repeating like a parrot back, okay? So the example that God never gives revelation to anyone doesn't have a right heart motive because the Spirit of God does not have to prove anything. The Spirit of God is going, I'm going to prove this. You're like this. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's love. Real, someone who really responds to Christ, has a real commitment to Christ, there is always in their heart forgiveness and reconciliation. There will always be reconciling you back to one another. There will never be a division or separation. That is never, I guarantee you, the Spirit of God. The divine reality here is we don't memorize words and just spit things back out. That's the flesh. Flesh and flesh stinks. Coming from the heart, your spirit is evidence of this, a reverence and a submission to the Lord, number one, and the evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You should have it memorized by now. Galatians chapter 6, what does it say? Love, joy, peace, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit in a person that you've proven to have the Spirit of God and isn't just head knowledge, like, mm, uh-huh, uh-huh, but it has a heart knowledge, the Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit speaking to you and giving you a word it is a sign of reality of his presence and produces always the love of God. So when someone gives you a word, it's going to produce. It's going to also bear witness with what you already know and confirm what you know. It's going to be lining up always with the written word of God. It will never, never veer off from the word of God. So you can listen mentally and nod. Uh-huh. That means nothing. So you can still be tempted, discouraged, and deceived by the evil one. See, if you are hurt in some way, you need to release and forgive right now in the name of Jesus. This is the revelation. Guard and watch your heart. You know, put your old man, old self down. Do not just open your mouth and speak out anything out of an impatient heart. I got I to say something. No, you don't. That's not God. He's always patient. Even Paul said, wait because you're not even supposed to rebuke an elder. You should respect one another in the fear of the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 12. Again, I told you the spirits are subject to the spirit and the prophet. Okay? God always brings grace and mercy. 
Sometimes it's unpleasant to receive something from the Lord. It might, like, ugh, you know, be convicting. But believe me, listen to a wise, I mean, what is a wise woman? I, I, God gave me this the other day about a wise woman. And I was looking at Proverbs eleven twenty two, And that is the weirdest proverb. It says, a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like putting a gold ring in a pig's snout. Ew. Think about that visual image. I said this earlier in one of my other messages. Taking a gold, you know how precious gold is? You know, gold is something of value, right? So a beautiful woman, he says beautiful, she's a very attractive woman, but she she lacks discretion. So she she's opening her mouth and speaking and just yeah, whatever. But that word discretion, I looked that up. I looked at this illustration. Oh, I looked on a website and someone said, think, think first before you speak. Think your words. I like that. Think your words. Before you give a prophecy or a revelation, think your words. And the word a woman who is not discreet means she is stubborn. She is stubborn. And she lacks judgment and good sense. And she's likely to upset someone. So she's not smart, okay? She doesn't have a lot of flavor. She doesn't have a lot of class, in other words, okay? So that illustration of an attractive woman who doesn't speak with wisdom, doesn't think before she speaks, and we're talking about prophecy and giving words and all that, that's like a... Gosh, a beautiful woman who lacks discretion, like a gold ring and a pig's snout. All I can think of is a pig. What does a pig do? I mean, think of a pig just right now. You go, oh, pigs, what do they do? Well, they're, they eat garbage, which means they listen to stuff and they put garbage in. And guess when you put garbage in, guess what goes out of you? Garbage. Listening to wrong stuff, believing a lie, okay, comes out of you. What's in you will come out of you, right? And a, and, and a pig is like, likes to be in the mud. They love to be in the mud. You can wash them and they go, they'll jump right back in the sludge, the mud, the blah. And they just get dirty. Oh my gosh. So they lack judgment. So again, a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. So picture that. I'm going to draw that. But so lacking judgment means not having good sense. You're not thinking your words before you speak. You're likely to upset a few people. You need to get discreet. (laughs) Discretion needs to be your friend. Do not take the advice of a woman who is beautiful or attractive because she is not discreet. God says to the false prophetic and prophets, I did not send them. You know why? Because they are senseless and foolish. I think about my friend Nehemiah over here. When you look at the book of Nehemiah, it's so fascinating. He is in he is the guy who came from the court of the king. He was like the bodyguard, the cupbearer. They like they like ate and tasted all the food before the king so that they wouldn't die. So they were a bodyguard. And he saw that the walls were broken down in Jerusalem for his people. And he went to look at the land. He asked for permission. And he wept and he cried. And he spied out the land and said he cried out to God. He was a great intercessor. Oh, God, forgive the sins of our fathers. Because, you see, the walls had been broken down in Jerusalem. The enemies were allowed to take over his people, the, the remnant. 
and and he was like so brokenhearted. What a great man! You could study his book, the book of Nehemiah, his story. But while he was on his road to building this, becoming the governor and taking care of very rebellious people, some of them. But he worked with his friend, uh, who was the uh, priest over there. He worked with Ezra, his friend, and they were able to successfully build this, uh, build up this wall through all kinds of ridicule, sarcasm, opposition. His enemies came out everywhere. But one thing about Nehemiah you're going to find is his prayers. He was a prayer warrior. So Nehemiah fought, he fought. He said, fight for your children and build this wall to protect them. But there were plots and assassination attempts against him, but he was devoted to the Lord. There were several people that are mentioned in uh, chapter six of Nehemiah that used trickery and every, I mean, every kind of diabolical thing to try to get him off his, his calling. If you have people who are constantly distracting you, Think about that. Distractions do not come from the Lord. If you have a mission and you're on God calling and somebody keeps distracting you, it's almost like in the time of Nehemiah, they continued to oppose him. He was he had to, you know, build this wall, got gathered the people up, and they began to do this work. It was a tremendous calling. And the wall was finished and the gates were hung. He was a watchman on the wall as well. But one of the things that happened during this time. I'll never forget this part. I love the part in Nehemiah where, well, I don't love it that this plot was against him, but that he was aware that these people were sent to distract him and stop him. And they were trying to give him false prophecy. So I want you to look this up. It's Nehemiah chapter 6 and continued opposition to rebuilding the wall. It says that in um, verse 10, he says, Nehemiah is speaking here. He said oh, earlier, so they're just trying to intimidate us and imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work, stop the work of building the wall. So I continued the work with even greater determination. So he knew there was no truth in their story because they started really bad rumors, false accusations. Sounds like what's going on today in our country with President Donald Trump, actually. So he says, later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah and grandson of the Medobel, who was confined to his home. And he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. Now think about that. They were coming. There were plots out against him. And these people were after him to stop the work because they didn't want the Jews to be secure. So he had to overcome all kinds of evil opposition. They finally finished this well in 52 days. This great project was completed because God was in it. He sent him and this was his job. When God sends you, he will complete it. So they were trying to intimidate him. And the whole book is about this, really. And when this guy gave him this so-called word from the Lord, doesn't that sound like a, oh, yeah, they are trying to kill me. Let's go to the temple, to the house of God and bolt the doors. They're coming to kill you tonight. That'd be like, if you hear something like that, you know, urgent, like do something right away. Oh no, it's going to happen to you. You better, you better believe that's probably not of God because he, because re- he was on his mission. He was on it. He was on his mission, believing God. He had faith. And this is his reply. He said, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? 
no, I won't do it. I realized that God had not sent him or spoken to him, but that he had uttered this false prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me afraid and sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. So it was a plot, a, a sinister plot. This sounds like some things going on in our country right now, doesn't it? And they were there to shake him and distract him and divert him. But this is very sinister. He hired this prophet. Go run into the temple and hide. And he said, no, I won't do it. And then he prayed this amazing prayer. He said, remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalat have done. And remember Noadiah, the prophetess, and all the prophets like her, who have tried to intimidate me. So he had a prophetess trying to intimidate him. Besides all that, the wall was built. Besides all that he was accused of, you know. So the end of the story is uh, the senseless, foolish woman who lacks discretion. She talks a lot, you know. She lacks a wise, discerning right heart. And she breaks confidences. She's not faithful. She's not loyal. The tongue is a little member, isn't it? It boasts of great things, but it sets on fire hell. Hellfire. That's what the Bible says in the book of James. So lacking good sense, being tasteless, is lacking judgment. It's um, offensive. And you're not using appropriate behavior. You're going to upset someone, and it is senseless to do those things. So the opposite to this is a wise-hearted, faithful woman, and there's so many examples of her in the Bible. She's amazing. She abides in love. She believes all things. She hopes all things. She's a prayerful woman. We have so many examples in the Bible of these women of God, mighty women of God. I can think of so many right now. I can think of Hannah. She's an amazing woman of God. She makes a vow. She makes a vow before the Lord that she will give. If God gives her a child, a baby, she's going to give that child back to the Lord and raise him up. And she did do that. She did give her son Samuel to the Lord, and God blessed her with other children. So, again, the opposite is a wise-hearted woman, the virtuous woman, First Peter 4, 8 says, love conceals a matter. It does not hurt or target anyone or attack anyone. So just don't say anything. You know, there's, here's a lesson. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> and, you know, the tongue is the culprit in this matter, but it's attached to the mind. And the mind has been thinking about stuff, and it, it's where the devil's playground is, the mind. If you've not read this book, here's a recommendation. I have so many about books. The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. And I will tell you, she wrote this book years ago. It became a New York Times bestseller. It's her number one best-selling book. You've got to read it. You can go on Amazon.com use books and probably get it now. I mean, she wrote it probably like 15 years ago. and Or maybe longer. Maybe 15 years ago. She wrote it many, many years ago and probably 20 years ago now, but it became the best-selling book of all time for her. 
And uh, you could probably get it today for like five bucks or four dollars or something. So just buy it used and read it, The Battlefield for the Mind. And she does a great job. She really does on that. Speaking of women, she's a mighty woman of God. But, you know, people that are mighty women of God have controversy in their controversial things in their lives, too. So and she wrote that book. It's, it's amazing. And that's what she learned about the mind. So the mind is attached you say the soul and that receives messages so not everything you think in your pretty little head is from god that everything you dream in that pretty little head of yours is from god <laughs> and not every word you get is from god i think you know that I've, I've i don't want to belabor that but you get it so an attractive woman outside you see some of these guys that are sitting gals who are sitting on guys and gals i'm not just talking about girls here now they're picking on girls but guys and gals sitting on these platforms today, and they have all the right looks. They have the good looks, right? They may not be beautiful inside, though, okay? They're, they're may, they may be selfish, vindictive. I mean, you don't know what's going on. Just stop. I just want to put that word up. Stop unwise words. And um, don't be defiled. Don't defile yourself. Have some character, the character of God. And... You are precious. Don't take that precious gold. God's given us those treasures that are his, the spiritual 